0: Amen. Well, good morning to each church. How are we doing? Uh, join me in prayer, and we'll jump into it. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We praise you as the one who has saved us, who has given yourself fully for us in Christ. Father, we are overjoyed with, with the love that you have poured out on us. And Father, I ask that we would know your love um, one step more through this sermon. That you'd use your word to show us the grace that you have for us in Christ. Father, I ask that we would be people who have much grace and who live under that grace. And Father, who proclaim it to the world. So Father, would you bless this time. Would you use it richly in our hearts when you speak to us by the Spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Alright, so we are continuing in our series, Everyone Needs a Friend, and today we're looking at yet another friend, and everyone needs a Zacchaeus, a Zacchaeus. Now this is a different kind of friend, because um, this is a different kind of need. So in some of the other sermons, we talked about how uh, we have a need for uh, a friend, and it's kind of more of a mutual thing. Well, this one is, is a little different. We need a Zacchaeus, because we need a Zacchaeus to, to obey the commandments of God to put the gospel on full display, that actually uh, our friendships with the Zacchaeuses help us do that. They allow us to to show the grace of God and actually present it openly and publicly to the world. And so today we're looking at uh, how Jesus himself befriended Zacchaeus and how we can follow Jesus and actually how we can put the gospel on display ourselves. So we're going to look at this, this famous story of the, The man up in the tree, and we're going to answer three questions. Three questions: Who is Zacchaeus? Who is he? And and what does Zacchaeus look like in our life? Then we're going to ask, how can we respond to this Zacchaeus? How does Jesus respond to Zacchaeus? How does he befriend him? And then third, we're going to ask, what what was the result of it? What does it bring about in the lives of the people around him? All right. So we're going to look at who is he? What did Jesus do? And, And what was the result? So let's turn to to Luke 19. Luke 19, and we'll look at this story. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. And read with me. This is Jesus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. to seek and save the lost. All right, this is God's word. Let's jump right into it. First of all, who is Zacchaeus? How do we know a Zacchaeus when we meet one? Are we going to recognize that Zacchaeus is kind of in our life? Well, verse 19, that's the idea he's described. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. All right, so Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem and he's passing through Jericho on the way. So Jesus is actually on the road to his, his crucifixion. He's making his way there and on the way he meets this man Zacchaeus. And we have two facts about Zacchaeus. First fact, he is the chief tax collector. Alright, what does that mean? Alright, if you were in the IRS that would be bad enough. But no, he's, he's the chief tax collector of... Of the Romans. So he is he has betrayed his people. He's gone to the other side and he is helping the Roman occupiers collect taxes on the people, on the Jewish people. He's he's kind of turncoated, he's abandoned the nation and uh, and gone to help the enemy in a sense. Now we could say that, that that's bad enough, he should be hated by the people. Um, but oddly enough, that's, that's not necessarily sinful to do that. There's no law against doing that. He can, he can work for the Romans. It's the second fact that's actually a little more incriminating. That he was rich. He was rich. What does it mean that the chief tax collector was rich? That means he's, he's taken a little bit off the top for himself. He's lining his pockets with the taxes. So if, if the tax is 100 denarii, he'll, he'll add on a couple 20 and pocket it for himself. He's robbing his own people. He is defrauding them. He's probably doing it by force even. This guy, this is a bad guy. He's a crook. And in all kind of the simplest terms, he is a sinner. He's a sinner. We don't know why he turned to it. Maybe he, I don't know. We, we wonder like, okay, what, what makes certain people choose these kind of things? And the temptation is to say, oh, well, they're, they're more sinful. They're more sinful in their hearts. But we know that our, our hearts are all sinful. It's the same ingredients we're all made of. We're all of sin there. And so maybe Zacchaeus is led astray by just a desire for, for wealth and for, for money. That that is his comfort or his, his exaltation. Maybe he just loves comfort and, and pleasure. And he's seeking it in those things. Maybe he wants honor and power. We don't know. We don't know. We can speculate, but we don't know. But he made this choice. He made this choice to seek wealth and to do it in sinful ways. So he is a sinner through and through. Now that ought not surprise us because we're all sinners. Yes? Yes, we're all sinners. But what makes Zacchaeus different? Zacchaeus is a public sinner. Zacchaeus is an obvious sinner. He's an open sinner. Because most of us are not that. Especially in the church, most of us are not that. Most of us are our secret sinners. And we are concealed sinners. And we are we hide our sin. And so, with that, we can kind of delude ourselves into thinking that maybe we're not really the bad ones. Maybe we're less sinners than everyone else. And maybe we can create this category out there of sinners, of people who are obviously sinners and openly sinners. And when we do that, we can, we can condemn them. We can say, those are the real bad guys. Those are the people who, who really deserve judgment who really deserve wrath, but, but we, we're the good people. All right, that is where Zacchaeus stands. Zacchaeus cannot hide his sin. He bears the marks of it. He, he, he has his, his rich people's clothing, his rich people's jewelry, his rich people's house. Everything about his life speaks to his sin. His wealth cries out that, that he has stolen all of this stuff. And so he is scorned, and he is rejected, and he is ostracized by the community. All right. That is a Zacchaeus. A Zacchaeus is someone who can't get away from their sin. That, that kind of wears it on themselves, that bears it as their mark, and cannot escape it. And there's something kind of unique about those kind of people, the Zacchaeus is, there's another trait that's often true of them is when they're interested in Jesus, they're interested in Jesus. Because they understand that there's something wrong. They understand that they, they need something more than just a quick pick-me-up. They actually need a, a life that is changed. And so when they hear that option and see Jesus presented to them, Sometimes they're going to be really, really excited about it. And they're going to run after it. And that's what we see in Zacchaeus' life. We see that in Zacchaeus. Verse 3. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not. Because he was small in stature, so he ran up ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Alright, so here's this, this short, rich, outcast. Climbing a tree so that he can see Jesus. This is someone who's excited to see Jesus and doesn't care. He stopped. He stopped caring a long time ago. He doesn't care what anyone thinks. He can feel like an idiot up in that tree, but he wants to see Jesus. He wants to see Jesus, and he's going to. And that's the refreshing part about about the Zacchaeuses, is because is that. Because they've been scorned their whole lives, they're kind of done caring. They don't care what people think. And they're going to climb the tree. And get in the tree. And there they are. (laughs) Who cares? And they own their sin. And they recognize that if Jesus really is who he says he is, if he can actually take away my shame, if he can forgive me, if he can heal me, then yeah, I'm going to go up in the tree. It's actually the Zacchaeuses who have this unique knowledge of their sin that understand Jesus in a special way. And they get excited to see Jesus and kind of don't care if they look goofy pursuing him. So that that leads us to the, the natural question. Who are the Zacchaeuses in our culture and in our lives? There are people who are, who kind of wear their sin, who can't escape it. We think of those who have, who have jobs that are inherently sinful. We can think of those, I'm sure. Uh, we think of people who, who on their skin is, is branded marks of sin. Gang violence and that sort of stuff. Often people who struggle with sexual sin, they wear their sin upon them we think of the the homeless or the the addicted and their bodies reflect their sin. Who are the Zacchaeuses in your life? Now, what I'm not telling you to do, I'm not telling you to go roam the streets of Elkton until you find a Zacchaeus. Um, yeah, I'm sure you could Donna laughed thanks Donna <laughs> and that's not what I'm calling you to do and that's not what Jesus did Jesus was, was on his way he was going through Jericho he had somewhere else to be but he encounters this Zacchaeus and, and that's, that's how it should be there's an organic thing here that we see the people who bear their sin and are we even are we, do we even have eyes to see them that's kind of our first question when you see those kind of people what's your first judgment? Are they, are they someone you need to avoid? Are they someone you need to pass by? Are they someone that you need to shield the kids from? Or, or are they a Zacchaeus? Someone who could potentially be looking for Christ? Who is that in your life? Your task is to, to think who, who is that? That bears the mark of their sin and might be interested in, and in really interested in a savior. All right, but let's say we encounter him that takes us to our next point. What, what are we actually supposed to do with it? What are we supposed to bring to this person? How did Jesus receive Zacchaeus? And Jesus received him, I thought of three, you could probably come up with more. Uh, he received Jesus deliberately, graciously, incarnationally, I'll explain that one. That's Christianese. I apologize for that one. I couldn't think of anything better. And publicly. All right, so let's jump to this. Verse five. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Jesus is deliberate. He is intentional. Out of the whole crowd, Jesus Jesus focuses in on Zacchaeus up in the tree and he doesn't ask him he tells him, Zacchaeus, get down here. I must stay at your house today. That's just how Jesus does it. Jesus, uh, <laughs> Jesus no, doesn't, doesn't ask us to follow. He, he tells us to follow him. And especially people who, who are like Zacchaeus, who are, who are interested but full of shame and full of sin. He tells them, come, come I, I must be with you. And if you've come to know Christ, you've, you've come to know him like that. That you, you were called, you had no choice, you had to follow. And when we enter into these kind of relationships, we need to be intentional about them. Because there's going to be a natural barrier that, that we're Christians and they're not, and they're going to assume that we're judgmental and, and don't want anything to do with them. And so if we're going to break down that barrier, we need to be intentional about it and deliberate. And like, we need to get coffee and let's get coffee. Deliberate. All right. Second thing. Jesus is super gracious. Super gracious. He invites, he invites this guy, Zacchaeus, who has no right to come, come entertain Jesus. He has no right to it, but he's bestowed with this this amazing honor. The honor of hosting Jesus himself. Now, why is this such a great honor? Um, It's probably kind of a little bit lost in our culture, but to have the the man of honor at your table, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And it's a bigger deal when it's Jesus. Because you're literally, you're feeding God. You're making sure that, that God gets through another day you're hosting God himself. You're entertaining the, the one who created all things. That's a great honor. Probably, maybe even a greater honor than being served by Jesus. To serve God himself in the flesh. That's, that's an amazing honor that is bestowed upon Zacchaeus. But it's even, even greater and more gracious when we realize that Zacchaeus, no one went to his house. No one wanted to eat at his table. No one wanted his food. No one wanted to get anywhere near his, his mausoleum, uh, this testament to all of his sin and his oppression and all the things he had stolen. No one would have gone. And so for Jesus to go is, is amazingly gracious. But it's also, uh, I apologize for this word, incarnational, incarnational. What does to incarnate mean? It's to, to come in the flesh. To when Jesus came, he came to a place he he kind of shouldn't have, shouldn't be. He is God. He doesn't need to be here on earth in the flesh. And when he goes to Zacchaeus, he doesn't ask Zacchaeus to to come follow me, to come with me. Zacchaeus, leave that behind. No, Jesus goes into his house, into his place. He goes where Zacchaeus is, and actually goes into that sinful world. That's what that's what we're actually called to do, to incarnate, to to enter into the world of sinners. And finally, finally, Jesus goes publicly. Publicly. Before all the people, he chooses Zacchaeus. Now what if what if Jesus had had slipped Zacchaeus a note like, hey, hey, meet me out back and and we can maybe get a hamburger. Uh, would, would Zacchaeus be excited about that and joyful and no? Because the point is that it's public. His sin is public. His rejection is public. And for this to actually be real, Jesus needs to receive him and accept him publicly in the eyes of all the people. And it communicates that, you know, Zacchaeus is Okay. me and Zacchaeus we're we're good it changes everything alright so that is Jesus that is our savior and how does Zacchaeus he responds he hurried and came down and received him joyfully Zacchaeus is, is overwhelmed with joy that he's publicly received and he he runs to Jesus publicly and receives him back Okay. What does that teach us about how we're supposed to do this? Alright, we need to be deliberate. We can't kind of tiptoe around people. If we're if we're gonna be bold about entering a relationship with them, we need to be bold about it. And intentional about it and show that, that there is no barrier. And we need to incarnate, we need to go and be surrounded by their world in the midst of their sin. Now, some of you probably hear that. Um, and you're, you're, thinking, you're thinking Psalm 1. Maybe you're not thinking Psalm 1. I've, maybe one of you is. Uh, I'll read it. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. And we, 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 maybe you're thinking that and you're like, well, no, you're not supposed to go in there. You're not supposed to go like I can't go into that place. I can't surround myself with sin. But Jesus does. Jesus goes and, and He walks with them. He he stands with them. He he sits at their table and eats their food and drinks their wine. And he does it without being corrupted. He wasn't made unholy. He wasn't made unspiritual. It didn't didn't dirty him in any way. He's actually made holier because of it. Now what does that mean? Uh, How do I say this? If we're, if our heart is right with the Lord and all we want to do is worship and glorify God, we can go anywhere. And we can be with anyone. We could be in the midst of, of the most deplorable sin and we'll be unscathed. Because we don't love those things. And and we have a passion for for God's glory and for salvation and for the gospel. But some of you shouldn't go there. Some of you you in your hearts can't be around sin without being drawn to it. I recognize that. And there's a wisdom in not going in certain places. But you need to recognize that that is, that is a weakness, not a reason to judge others who can go into them. That if you're, if you're too weak to go into that sinful place and to be surrounded by, the, by sin and by the world so that they can, you can minister, if you can't do that, you have to accept that, that it's because of your weakness, not because they have bad judgment. It's humbling. It's humbling, and it, it calls us to examine our heart and to say, "Why am I not strong enough to go there? Like, what do I really love?" But in and of itself, all of those things are just external. They can't. They can't get us. They can't corrupt our hearts. We can go into those places and and be a light as Jesus was a light. And when you go, when you go, they're, they're not a charity case. You don't need to improve them. You don't need to change them. You're going and bringing the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what you're doing. Jesus didn't offer anything more than that. He just presents himself and treats this guy Like he doesn't deserve to be treated. He's full of grace. All right. So that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, What's the consequence of that? What what happens afterwards? What are the effects? The first one. The first one is is pretty negative. Verse seven. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into the. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. When the private secret sinners hear what Jesus has done, they get angry about it. And they grumble about it. And realize what they're saying. They're saying that, you know, if he came to my house, he wouldn't have to go be, get, hang out with a sinner. Why would he choose to be with a sinner? And that's once again, they created that category. This category of the super sinners and everyone else is fine. And what Jesus does is Jesus is intentionally choosing Zacchaeus to oppose that whole idea. That actually it's, it's only the sinners that Jesus will hang out with. The people who are admitting that they are sinners and can't escape the fact that they are sinners. Those are the people that Jesus pursues. Those are the people that Jesus wants to eat with. As soon as you think you're good enough that. Jesus, Jesus ought to be at my house. He's not going to go there anymore. And as soon as you think that I'm, I'm good enough, I, I should be blessed by God, you better hope that God stops blessing you to, to realize that you're wrong. That as soon as we start trying to buy Jesus, he wants nothing to do with us. You can't purchase Jesus. He's always a free gift. It's the only way it works. A free gift for sinners. And probably, we as the church are probably the, the worst at this, is that we think we are the good people, and, and we condemn those who aren't here. Even those who don't know Jesus, which is, of course they should be sinners. No, those are Jesus. Jesus people. Those are, he loves those people. And the good people, they hate Jesus for it. They hate him for it. And they reject him because of it, and they scorn him because of it, and they grumble about him because of it, and they send him to the cross because of it. Because he has grace for sinners and doesn't cater to the, the good people. And that's where we said that Jesus wouldn't get kind of dirtied by by entering into Zacchaeus' world. He doesn't get spiritually dirty, but he gets socially dirty. He gets just all the scorn and the rejection and the the kind of wrath of the people that Zacchaeus had. Jesus really enters in. He is treated just like Zacchaeus is treated. That's incarnating. That's like walking with Zacchaeus hand in hand. And we have to recognize that if, if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to be scorned like that. And the good people are going to say... Why are you hanging out with them? You shouldn't be there, you shouldn't be doing that. And we have to throw that off and say, No, that's not true. That's where Jesus was. And that's where that's where we want to be. And we'll take the scorn with everything that comes with it. Alright, so that's that's the that's the negative side, but the positive side. The positive side is a little better. Zacchaeus. How does Zacchaeus respond to this? Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He responds to this, the gracious friendship of Jesus with obedience. Obedience. Now, I kept being tempted to say repentance, but repentance isn't, this isn't so much repentance. Repentance is feeling like, feeling hatred for your sin. It's not that he's repentant. It's, it's that he's obedient. All of a sudden, this guy who is so steeped in his sin is just overflowing with obedience. That suddenly has his great love for, for God and for the poor and for justice. And his love for money just goes shooting out the window. I wonder... I wonder if we looked at Zacchaeus' life, how many times people kind of gave him dirty looks and said snarky things to him and judged him and said rude things. We wonder how much of all those comments, all the judgment, created in, in him obedience. How much obedience did that create in Zacchaeus? Zero. Zero obedience. Absolutely none. And here is Jesus offering Zacchaeus grace and Zacchaeus' heart is changed so that in, from the inside out he just explodes with obedience. He can't help it. He's full of the love of God and he's seen the grace of Jesus and obedience flows from it. Now that that's... That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. To love him and to, as a result, just let obedience come, come exploding out. Now, as I, as I was writing this, I said, that's how it's supposed to work. And that's how, that shows my hard-heartedness, that, that that's how it's supposed to work. Because we all have to admit that we don't. We don't love Jesus the way we're supposed to, and so our hearts aren't overflowing with obedience. It's kind of begrudging But when we've truly seen the grace of Jesus, it it doesn't look like that. It flows from us and we joyfully do it. Zacchaeus isn't holding anything back. He's doing this for joy and not in kind of a vague obedience. Or like, oh, I guess I have to do this. No, he he comes up with it on his own. No one tells him to do this. He just does it. His heart has changed. That's the outcome. And so... When we go into the world, we're not, we don't need to offer judgment. We're offering people the grace of Christ and, and hoping that their life changes as a result. That obedience just comes flowing out. Because our judgment isn't going to change hearts. We wish it did, but it, it doesn't. Alright, last thing. The final outcome of this friendship, verse 9. Jesus said to him, today's salvation has come to this house. Since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus was saved. He was lost and he was saved. And we, uh, there's a weird weird phrase in here. Since he also is a son of Abraham. It makes it sound like, well, so was he saved? Why did Jesus come to him just because he, he was in the, in the clan? He was part of the house of Abraham? Now, what he's saying is that you're a child of Abraham, you're a child of God, you're a child of faith when you, when you put faith in me. When you put faith in Jesus, you become a son of Abraham. You become a child of the king. And Jesus is pretty much saying like, you know what, you, you were a son long ago and now we're finally seeing the proof of it. That I chose you from way back when and now we're getting to see the fruit of it. Today is your salvation. So Jesus comes and brings that to this man. All right. So what should you do? You should go and be be bold, be gracious. Offer people the grace of God. That Jesus loves sinners. And he he came to save them and to seek them. But, this is the big, the the but. There's a caveat here because you are not Jesus. I hate to break it to you, but you are not Jesus. And when you come, when you come to the house, you can't say salvation has come to this house. (laughs) And when you come, you don't have the power to change someone's heart so that obedience just starts flowing from it. And you shouldn't assume that inviting yourself over for dinner is going to receive with like shouts of joy. Hooray! Hooray, you're coming to dinner. No, this is okay. And that's where, yes, we represent Jesus, but we also we also aren't Jesus. And we come to the Zacchaeus in some sense as a representative of Jesus, but also as a fellow Zacchaeus. We come As a fellow person who's been chosen by Jesus and accepted by Jesus and loved by Jesus and befriended by Jesus. We're a little further along the along the line. But that's who we are. And until you accept that you are a dirty, rotten sinner, desperately in need of salvation, you're gonna have no need for Jesus. You're going to be of no use to any of these Zacchaeuses. You're just going to be another judger in the crowd. Jesus came to us, and He saved us when we were lost. And so, when we go to the Zacchaeus, we can climb up in that tree with them and say, "Yeah, I, I was looking for Jesus, and He came." Let's look for Jesus together. That's the joy. That's the joy of going to the people and saying, you know what, you're my friend because we are friends in our sin. Let's be friends in Jesus too. That we desperately need him. And we remind them that Jesus, Jesus isn't in this tree. Jesus was in this tree. That he was nailed to the tree. He paid for it all. He became a sinner for us. And he was scorned for his sin, he was shamed, he was mocked, he was killed and we are free from it now that he took all of that judgment and it's not because you're good that you become a son of Abraham or a son of God it's because you have faith in the one who did it for you when we go to, the, go to people who, who know their sin with that message it's we can come extremely humbly and, and joyfully and rejoice that our sins are forgiven together. That's the great joy. And so, we go boldly and go with great joy. The joy that Zacchaeus had, that's, that's the joy that we should have because Jesus came to us when we were we were lost in our sin. And he loves you and he chose you and he died for you and you'll be with him forever. Let's rejoice in that. Let's pray. Father, we are, we are humbled by your love. We are humbled by Jesus Christ. Um, Father, we ask that we would be open and honest about our sin that when we Interact with those who don't know you. We would be uh, sinners first and saints second. That we would recognize that that we can be with them in their sin and and seek Jesus together, Father. And at the same time, we ask that we would embody Jesus and reflect His nature, reflect His grace and His passion, and and His kindness towards those who are lost in their sin Father I ask that you would change us that we would see people differently that when we see the people who seem like the the worst of the worst we would see with the, the eyes that you have they would see those who are lost and who are desperately searching for you Father would you give us great joy in our salvation that we may do all of these things uh, Not with a heavy heart, but that we would obey uh, out of a passion for your glory. We pray in Christ's name.